Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. This morning, I would like to conclude this series right before our First Things First conference. And it's entitled, His Strength, but I added a subtitle today to make sure you're awake. His Strength or Else. Or else what, Pastor Matt? Well, we're going to get into that here in a moment. Many times we get into our own strength, and man, we just fall off. I want to tell you right now, doing things in our own strength can be a lack of faith, and it turns into disobedience. Someone say disobedience. Put that up there on the screen, if you would, please. Disobedience. Now, that, that may offend some people. Say, disobedience, you know, that, that bothers people. I'm not going to submit. I'm not... Well, we have Scripture. I can't get around Scripture. If you love God, then you're going to pursue Him in His Word. You're going to look into it, and you're going to say, man, this is for me. This is an area of my life where God is dealing with me. Every human has disobeyed God at some point in life. How many of you know doing stuff in your own strength turns into disobedience eventually, and disobedience can turn into rebellion? Rebellion is, God, I don't want what you have. I'll do it in my own strength. I've got it. Now, there's a problem with that. Let me read to you from 1 Samuel 15, 22. Look at this. This is Samuel the prophet talking to King Saul, the first king of Israel, who did things in his own strength out of fear, out of worry, out of other reasons. And he ended up displeasing God and being replaced eventually. Look at what the, the prophet Samuel said. He said, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Many times we as Modern believers say, well, I've given up all this. I've sacrificed all that. Well, if you obey God, there will be a sacrifice in it. But how many of you know obedience is much more important than just giving up a few things? Oh, I've sacrificed this to God. I don't do that anymore. I don't drink alcohol anymore. Well, congratulations. We saw the road that led you down. You don't want that anyway. That's good. It's an improvement. I don't do drugs anymore. I've sacrificed this, which those things don't sound like a sacrifice to me. It sounds like you're just living better now. But there are things you say, well, I gave up this relationship to seek God, and I gave that up to seek God. But are sacrifices better than obedience? Does he want sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Obedience, he says it again. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Hmm. Rebellion. Now, hang with me here. This is going to really, it's, it may brighten up your morning. I don't know. It's going to wake you up. This shook me as a kid. My mom used to love to quote this verse. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. What? Why? Because you're making yourself the God with a little g. Say, I'm not doing that. I will do whatever I want. Well, we see where that's led us, right? Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. Doesn't mean you can't have a stubborn personality to get the job done. But stubbornness with God. Because you're saying my way is best. Look, and look at what he goes on to say to King Saul. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, thank God for the blood of Jesus. We have chances. We're in an age of grace. But at some point, God's judgment falls, even on believers. Scripture says the judgment of God begins in his house. Now, that's something to be wise to. It's something to be aware of. Don't be shocked today. Let me just say this. Rebellion, here's the problem with rebellion, is degenerative. You ever heard of a de degenerative disease? It means it's tending toward decline and it just gets worse and worse. Rebellion is degenerative. 
The more people rebel and disobey God, the worse and worse and worse it gets. You ever met someone who used to be a believer and now they're the worst sinner out there? They're going first class on their way to hell. You say, what? How can we decide that? I'm just saying, by their fruits you know them. I never say that about someone when they die, not even a hardened sinner, because I don't know if they cried out to God. But many people are on their way to hell unless they repent. That's not, that's not popular. Many people go, no, you know what, Pastor Matt, that's not seeker-friendly. Oh, no, it's seeker-friendly if I tell the truth. We're going to tell the truth in this house. We're going to mention Jesus. We're going to mention the wages of sin is death. That's hell. We're going to talk about the cross. They say, oh, my gosh, the cross is offensive. Well, let it be so then. Running from the cross is disobedience. Disobedience pushes God away. Scripture says, this is the Lord himself speaking. He says, seek me while I may be found. I don't know who that is for this morning. Seek me while I may be found. What does that mean to me? And this always freaked me out. Is at some point you may push God away just enough that he can't be found anymore. Or his spirit stops tugging on your heart. So you don't want to stick with disobedience. You don't want to get there because it is degenerative. Disobedience is degenerative. All right? How many of you parents have looked at your kids before and you saw the situation they were in and you knew exactly where it was headed because maybe you had been there or maybe you could just see it, right? You could just see it and the kids weren't listening to you and you said, okay, your disobedience is going to have consequences. You ever been there? Some of you like right now, some of you are going, you know what, Pastor Matt, you're reading my mail. That doesn't even have to be very prophetic. Some of you are like, wow, I'm going through that right now, Pastor Matt. Do not raise your hand because your kid may be sitting next to you. In Jesus' name. He did it anyway. All right, Eddie. The kids laughed. They have skin pigment, so they don't blush as much as I would have. Disobedience leads, it will take you farther than you ever thought you would go and take you to a place you never wanted to be. That's how disobedience is. And it's frightening. I mentioned to some leaders this week, and I asked them, I said, has God spoken to you about something and you've put him off and put him off and put him off and put him off? Check into that. That's for all of us. That's for all of us, isn't it? You've got to check your heart. Always check your heart. Make sure your motives are right. We make mistakes. Praise God. There's repentance. 1 John chapter 1, right? We can repent, but you don't want to stay in a mode, in a time, in a place, in a zone or a region of disobedience. It's not headed to a good place. Now, I've heard people say this. Now, this is not for control. You need to hear my heart. I have preferences, but I'm not a controlling person. You need to hear my heart on this. Many people go, I submit unto God. I don't submit unto men or women. Well, how do you think you submit to God if you can't submit to his authority? Scripture talks about his authority in Romans. That's just one place. All authority has been ordained by God, whether it's good authority or bad authority. At some point, though, you've got to submit to authority, right? People who don't submit to authority, they wind up in prison. People who don't submit to authority, well, they struggle with disobedience. And it takes them in a, on a cyclical journey. It goes round and round and round. At some point, you've got to submit to authority. Somewhere. A job, a pastor, something. You've got to submit to authority. It's for your own protection. Disobedience, let me just use this word before I move on. Disobedience is dangerous. I don't know how many times 
I don't know how many times I listened, and I don't know how many times I disobeyed my parents growing up. And, man, it got me into a world of hurt. They warned me. and I, Man, there were some people they warned me about, and I'm so glad I listened. I have no idea why I listened because I was naturally rebellious. It's a shock. I heard a pastor preach that one time. He says, I don't even know why I listened, but it saved my life. I've had that where my parents warned me about somebody. said, oh, I'd get away from them. Don't do that. Get away from that situation. No, don't do it. And I listened. Other times I didn't listen. It was sorrow. I remember at 18, I started getting credit card offers in the mail. Mom and dad said, you better throw that away. I don't know what that, throw that away. They were being discreet. They didn't want to throw it away. It was my mail, so they, were, they allowed me to have my mail. Well, I, a year later, I didn't listen. I, I started with a credit card at age 19. And man, that thing was sorrow. I remember I had $1,000 on that thing. It felt like I was never going to pay it off, ever. You know how credit cards are, the minimum payment. It was a reminder of my disobedience every time, my, my ignoring of counsel. I said, oh, my gosh, $1,000, it's never. It took me forever to pay that thing off. It must have taken me two years or more to pay $1,000 off. It felt so daunting. I had so many other things I was spending money on at 19, you know. Going out to eat at the all-you-can-eat buffet, the Chinese buffet. I don't know what. Disobedience, though. Now, there's types of disobedience that are way more serious than others. And we'll, we'll hit on that in this next point, I think. This next point, let's go to Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. Now, you, you may know the story. You may not. Quick review. There's lots of red flags in this story. But here's what they did. God promised to Abraham when he was 75, he said, I'm going to give you your own son. And your own son's going to come from you and Sarah, your wife. She was already an older woman. So they're, they're senior citizens. And, and the Lord told them, you're going to have a kid. And from you is going to be a great nation. So they, they believed God, but then they got tired of waiting. So one day, Sarah had a great idea. I'm being sarcastic. Guys, if your wives ever presents you something terrible like this, do not listen. This is a trap. Sarah said, hey, hon. Why don't you get my young, lovely servant girl? I'm adding some stuff. Her name is Hagar. She's from Egypt. Have a child with her, and that will be like my child. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, thank you. Abraham said, sure. Guess what? They had a son. His name was Ishmael. That was never God's plan. You guys ever tried to help God and got yourself into all kinds of trouble? You could call it disobedience. That's the first point. But we're going to be moving to the second point here in a minute after I read this. Well, guess what? Hagar had a baby named Ishmael from Abraham, the lord of the manor. He had servants and he had donkeys and camels and everything. He had his lovely wife, Sarah, but they weren't able to have kids, so they were helping God. They said, yeah, we know what God has promised, but let's have a kid with this servant girl, and that will be our kid. That's where our story begins, Genesis 21.8. So at some point, God did bless Abraham and Sarah with a child. His name was Isaac. So now you have Isaac from Sarah and you have Ishmael from Hagar all living in the same place. Okay, you with me? All right. This gets good. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. That was it. 
So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac after it was all her idea. But remember, Abraham still agreed to it. He could have said no. So that's, she says, I won't have it. Let's keep going. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. Oh, man. That, that was upsetting, wasn't it? Why? That was his boy. That was actually his firstborn. His firstborn he had with Hagar. This upset him, so let's keep moving on. But God told Abraham what? Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. Mm. Verse 14. So Abraham got up early the next morning. Abraham, that was his habit. When God commanded him, he'd get up early the next day and do it. He prepared food in a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, this is not, this is not God telling you to send your child off and away from you. This is a different time and a different place. They made a huge mistake. That mistake has been paying dividends for thousands and thousands of years now. You know who Ishmael was the father of? We love the Arab people. They're God's people too because of Abraham. If they'll accept Jesus, they're his people. To this day, the two half-brothers and their descendants are at war with each other, the Arabs and the Jews, all because of a decision that Abraham and Sarah made. Let's put up that second point. Unnecessary heartbreak. Doing it in your own strength leads to unnecessary heartbreak. Have you been there? Don't raise your hand, but I have too. Unnecessary heartbreak. Let me just give you some of the areas where I think I've done it in my own strength over the years. Some seasons of, in my marriage, some seasons with church staff, some seasons with other jobs, some seasons with my work as a pastor directly here. There's been things that I've done in my own strength, and they led to unnecessary heartbreak. You guys remember Akon? I don't think he's popular anymore. You remember him? Nobody want to see us together, but it don't matter, no, because I got you. What a moron. Here's the deal, Romeo and Juliet. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. If you're already married, you're stuck. That's God's will for you. You work it out in Jesus' name with fear and trembling. But if you... If, Everybody around you has warned you, and you're in disobedience. You're doing it in your own strength. Say, but it don't matter. I got you. If it means leaving every, no, not leaving father and mother behind and cleaving to your wife. If it means you got heartbreak now, it's Romeo and Juliet, past the poison type stuff. Get away from her. Get away from him. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. I like hitting on this sometimes because people are foolish. He looks good, but one day he may be bald like me, and it may not look okay on him. I'm not saying it looks okay on me, but I don't have a lot of choices at this point. The physical changes. He may be, oh, man, she may be amazing, but she may have goat hooves. She may be part devil. What was it James Brown saying? Devil with the blue dress on? Unnecessary heartbreak. Here's what's amazing. People do what they do, 
And then later they're activating the prayer chain. Say, pray for my husband. He's full of the devil. No, really. I've been there and seen it. No, I'm, I'm going to marry them. Will you go right? I'm, I'm doing it. We're in love. Okay. We're in love. Everybody told him. Now, and some of you say, man, I got married and there was people's blessing on it and God's blessing on it. That's what you want. Now you're already married. That's God's will. But I, I don't know who I'm speaking to today. Maybe it's someone on the live stream. Maybe it's no one in here. They say, well, we're in love. Uh-huh. And then later on, it's like, pray for my husband. Pray for my wife, man. She is a living devil. She's beating the kids and cussing, or maybe he is, or whatever. He's going out. But you people, it's crazy. People were warned. I knew a young lady years ago, and she wasn't going to listen to anybody about anything. I'm going to tell you right now. And now I've seen her, and she walks the streets here in town. She was going to marry this guy, and people said, don't do it. And I can't blame him for all of her problems. It was her disobedience and rebellion against God. But at one point, she got married, and they were having all kinds of problems. And she says, why didn't you all lock me in my basement and not let, him marry, not let me marry him? People want to make choices, but then say, God, no, cancel out my choice. You forced me to serve you. That's great, but that's terrible at the same time. It sounds great, but it really is ridiculous and awful. God's not going to force you to do anything. You have a choice. He loves you so much, you have a choice. Many of you, your families are going to give you a choice. People around you are going to give you a choice. But it leads to unnecessary heartbreak when you do stuff in your own strength. And that ties back into what? C.1. Let's go back to point one. What is that? Disobedience is your own strength, and it leads to heartbreak in your own strength. Let's go back to point two. Show that again. Unnecessary heartbreak. Man, I'll marry who I want. I'll do what I want. It's heartbreaking to me to see people going through heartbreak that could have been avoided. How many of you know life is hard enough? Do you guys agree with that? Life is hard enough. Ladies, I'm sorry, I forgot. I got excited, and I forgot to go up on the platform today. I was planning on being up there. Life is hard enough without all the extra stuff, without marrying a devil. Life's hard enough without marrying a she-devil. No, really. Without marrying a vampire, an Amalekite. You know the Amalekites in the Old Testament? Scripture said God would have war against them at all generations. You study them and see what their name means, and it says that they were blood-sucking vampires. I don't know what that means. But that's creepy. You do not want to marry an Amalekite, even if they look good. Unnecessary heartbreak. A job can lead to unnecessary heartbreak. Just being out of God's will and doing it in your own strength, doesn't have to be a marriage or relationship, can lead to unnecessary heartbreak and heartache. And it's no fun. Nobody wants to be there. I'm going to tell you right now, nobody wants to stay there. Now, there's God's grace for our mistakes. He forgives but man, sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of our decisions. Can I get an amen in here? But God's grace is enough for you. It is. Let me encourage you today. Say, man, I don't know. I feel so. No, you're fine. You're going to be okay. Trust in God. You put him first. He'll take care of you. But there's so many things can be avoided if you'll do stuff in his strength. Scripture says we can do all things through Christ who, who what? Strengthens us. Another verse in the Old Testament says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know how often I have to lean on God? I'm going through a situation personally right now, personally, and I have to lean on God. But let me tell you something about those situations. 
You go in believing, you listen to counsel, and then you take steps. You go in believing God, you listen to wise counsel that lines up with God's word that you've believed, and then you start taking steps. That needs to be another sermon. That needs to be another sermon. But you can avoid all kinds of unnecessary heartbreak if you'll obey God, and you will walk in his strength instead of yours. Let's go to Luke 5.4. I love this story. Maybe it'll come up this, this year in the classics. Luke 5.4. Those of you watching The Chosen, that's an awesome show. If you haven't watched it yet, look into it. I think it's on Prime. You can see it on VidAngel and some other, other streaming uh, platforms. But The Chosen is about Jesus and his disciples It's very historically accurate, but then they add some things that could have happened that don't affect the integrity of Scripture. So Jesus is speaking. He's in Simon Peter's boat, right, that got pushed out away from the shore. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Are some of you listening to me? Go. You you can't stay shallow the rest of your life. and You cannot stay shallow the rest of your life. You've got to go out to where it is deeper. He said, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Jesus did this knowing exactly what he was asking. Look at the response. Master, Simon replied. (laughs) He believed, he listened to counsel, and then he takes some steps here. But he says, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. He said, I just want to throw that out there. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. We did it in our strength. We worked all night and did nothing. You ever worked on something and you just... Oh, man, you were spinning your wheels. You couldn't get your printer to print for five hours. Oh, my gosh, Ariana. That is a good way to have your day ruined. The Bluetooth won't sync up. I'm like, how did they do this in the 80s? You know, They hand wrote it. Just sit down. Don't just put your phone away. Just write it down. I don't know. Those things, you're trying to do it in your own strength, and you're going round and round and round. He says, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing in our own strength. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Hmm. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. That's in his strength. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That is what God will do for you if you do it in his strength. Otherwise, it is my third point. Look at this third point right here. Wasted time and effort. Wasted time and effort can lead to frustration, anger, discouragement, depression, and strife. All of these things can actually lead to strife. But, man, I'll tell you right now, wasting time and effort, man, you may start blaming somebody. You may start blaming each other. You may start blaming your spouse. And, man, you know what? Wasted time and effort, for those of you who want it in a different language, is big nada. Really? Did you know 800 million times zero is still zero? You see, I did all that in my own strength. I know, but here we are still at the start. We're not even at the starting line because we tried to do it in our own strength. We've all been there. Why do I preach so adamantly, so strongly about this? I tell you this from a place of authority, but also from a place of humility is I've been there. And I catch myself doing it here and there. Doing stuff in my own stinking strength. It's not worth it. Someone say it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's just not. You got disobedience that comes from doing it in your own strength. You got heartbreak and unnecessary heartbreak and heartache. And then you have wasted time and effort. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you, this bothers you more than others. 
but I want to see a show of hands. How many of you wasted time and effort frustrates the heck out of you? Go ahead and raise your hand. Some of you are like, no, I'm cool with it. I schedule it in. I schedule wasted time and effort into my calendar. Just waste time. I, I am a true free spirit in many ways. In many ways I am. But man, wasted time and effort is frustrating. So we worked on this for three weeks and we're at the same place. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> OMG. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wasted time and effort. How about the Tower of Babel? They did that in their own strength, huh? You imagine how many years that took? You ever studied that in the book of Genesis early, early on? They built a tower. They were trying to reach heaven in their own strength, and God went down and confused them. He said, these folks are doing it apart from me, and they're doing it in their own strength, but they're going to cause all kinds of problems. Man, there's nothing that will be impossible for them if we don't go down and confuse them. That's what he said. But it ended up being a wasted time and effort because they didn't do it for God or in his strength. They did it on their own. Let me just tell you this right now. I don't care about your age, whether you're 15 or 115. You don't have time to waste time. You're not getting more time. Dad likes to go around at the men's meetings. He's done this several times. Say, how long do you want to live? Does that throw people off? You ever been there, brother, in the class? Has he done that? How long do you want to live? I'm like, man, praise God, let's do 90. All right, 90, that means, and dad will go into, that means you got 44 years left. What are you going to do with it? Some say, I want to be 120. Okay, you're 30. So that means you've got 90 years left, and you're going to need a miracle to get to 120. That's just me. But I just want to throw that out there just to, so you're not disappointed if you only make 100. But think about that real quickly before I begin to wind this message down. You don't have time to waste. There are things that God has laid on your heart, so start to obey him. Stop putting it off. Stop saying it's going to work it out. God's, it's going to work itself out and just be lazy about it. It's time to take initiative now with the rest of your life. Let me look at everybody's face if I can. Almost, right? That was a quick, just a quick once over. You don't have time to waste time and effort. God has called you. He's speaking to you. And now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Scripture says redeeming the time for the days are evil. There's a whole bunch of time wasting going on. And, I, you know, I hate this saying. Maybe you say it, but we say it out of habit, right? Say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just killing time. You know what's worse than that to me? I'm bored. I'm bored. Dad, dad must have drill sergeanted that right out of our bodies. Growing up, man, he'd say, there were a few times, and I remember I got older, so I'd just laugh at my brother and sister if they said it. D dad would hear us and say, I'm bored. He'd say, oh, you're bored? Y'all already know where this is going, huh? Oh, you're bored? Man, I got weeds in the yard that need pulling. I got, there's all kinds of stuff to do. Why don't we paint a room? Like, no, I don't want to paint. No, you're bored? And there were times dad would just threaten that, but there were times he said, no, you're bored? Okay, pick up all this junk. Let, come on, this house is a mess. You know, dad would just take charge. You're bored. Don't you waste time and effort. Don't you do it. And you know what? Let me add this today in closing. 
Now is the time to seek God like never before so you're not in disobedience, so you don't have unnecessary heartbreak, and so you don't have wasted time and effort or regret. Regret's terrible. Now is the time to seek God. This is the year to seek him. You say, here we are in the big middle of January, Pastor Matt, third week of January. I haven't started. Start today reading your Bible. You say, I don't know where to start. Start in Genesis then and read straight through. It's that simple. Just start reading now. Somebody told me recently, it touched my heart within the last week or so. They said, man, I finished finished reading my Bible. First time I read through my whole Bible. I said, praise God, start again. There's so much in there. So much in there that touches my heart when people say, man, I've read the word. Good. That means you don't want to walk in disobedience, waste time, and you don't want to have unnecessary heartbreak and regret. Today is the day of salvation. Get into God's word and stop fighting battles in your strength. Somebody say amen. Come on, somebody. You don't need to stay there. You don't need to live in the area of my own strength. That's not enough. He is the all-sufficient one. What we have translated in the Old Testament as the Lord God Almighty is El Shaddai. You know what that means? It means he is the all-sufficient one. He is the God who is more than enough. The God who is more than enough. So rely on his strength as we close this service and this series. Go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes today if you would, please. I believe God is speaking to you. More importantly, I believe God has spoken to you. If there is anyone in this house at the sound of my voice, this is a holy moment. Please, no one on your phones, no one on social media, just put those phones away. We're almost out. If there is anyone in this house who says, Pastor Matt, if I died tonight, I don't know where I would go. I have never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of my life. I've never confessed him as Savior. I've never turned from my old sinful ways, never have. If that's you today, God is working on your heart. He's pulling you by his spirit. He's tugging on you. If that is you today, raise your hand. I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer with you because we were all sinners at one point and we have fallen short of God's glory. If there's anyone in this house says, I need to get my heart right with God. I need to accept Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. Would you raise your hand today? If that is you, I will pray with you. I'm going to give you a moment, but it's a passing moment, right? Time keeps marching on. God bless you, sir, for your courage. That takes special courage. Anybody else? Hmm. We'll pray together. Go ahead and bow your heads if they're not already bowed. Let's pray together. This is for you, young man. God bless you and your courage and your commitment. Everybody say out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sin. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I know I'm a sinner without you. I need you, Lord. I need you to make this right. Because I can't do it in my own strength. I can't save myself. Say, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. I'm so sorry. Say now, I confess that I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me and for my sin. Thank you, Father. Say, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. Say, I renounce Satan, the world system, and my own plans. 
apart from God. Say, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm saved based upon my confession and my faith. In Jesus' name. I want everyone to stand to their feet real quick for me, if you would. I want you to look, look this way. If God spoke to you even about the smallest thing this morning, one thing or two things or anything, I want you to raise your hand today. Let's leave those hands in the air as I pray for you one more time. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you for their humble hearts. I believe your word fell on good ground, but I also believe that, God, you're dealing with hearts today. If there are those that would oppose you or say, well, I don't know if that's for me or I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do or I'm not really sure about the things of God, Lord, you work on their hearts. You deal with them. They're your people. But I thank you for those who received the word gladly today. And I thank you because your word has fallen on good ground. Your word is blessed. Your people are blessed. And I thank you for their attentive and good, humble hearts today. And I give you glory for them and their lives. Be with them. Speak to them. Let them put into practice your word, your perfect word. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning.